How many caught uh, that hymn there? Cold and snow. <laughs> well, no, uh, he was most likely born, possibly, in the vicinity of uh, of what was it? Probably maybe April. I, I got man. I got to go look some of that up again because it coincides with when the shepherds would be watching the sheep. You know, at the time of the year that that would have, they would have been up around Jerusalem, and uh, many many people believe that. The, the field that the shepherds were watching were the fields of Boaz. And if you watch the connection between Boaz and Ruth and the kinsman redeemer and, of course, the Messiah, it's, it's really, really, really cool. But anyway, you can go look at that this week and do some, do some of your own digging on that one. All right, Second Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 1, the Bible says, Now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent am bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to, think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh." For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience, when your obedience is fulfilled. So let's look at this tonight if we could. And may God help us. Father, would you help us tonight? Would you teach us by your Holy Spirit? Would you illuminate your word? And, uh, and just show us what you uh, mean by this passage and how it applies to our life today. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, some of the greatest Christians that we may have known, the names that we have heard um, uh, mentioned for most of our life, some of the greatest ones of those have battled wrong thinking. They've battled wrong thinking. Uh, listen, this is an excerpt out of Jim Elliott's journal. I mean, many of us know of Jim Elliott and those five other friends that went to the Ecuador, to the, uh, to the Aachen Indians, who eventually were speared there on that beach uh, to, to death, and uh, in in his in his journal, in part, it says this, and this was just just previously. I mean, this is just uh, not days, but just maybe a week before he was killed. He said, "A month of temptation. Satan and the flesh have been on me." Hard. He goes on to say how God holds my soul in life and permits one with such wretchedness to continue in his service. I cannot tell. He goes on to say, oh, it has been hard. Betty, he's, that's what his, his name for Elizabeth, Elliot. Betty thinks I have been angry with her. How can I ever make her understand this kind of thing? She apparently feels no passion ever except for me. In my unworthiness, of her love beats down, beats me down. I've been very low inside me, struggling and casting myself hourly on Christ for help. 
It's just like everybody else, friend. Just like everybody else. No, don't make heroes out of people. Don't ever do that. Yeah. Same flesh as you and I. Spurgeon lived through bouts of depression much of his ministry. Much of it. He'd have to get away. Many times he'd go down into France and just get away for weeks and weeks just because of the depression. Yeah. Uh, Brother Doug Fisher, he has preached on this. It's all it's been on the internet. I'm not saying anything that's not out there. He has preached for us, but he's not preached on this, but he has preached on the his own his own dealings with depression in the ministry. To the very point to the very point that he had planned his own his, his own suicide. He had it all planned out. Yeah. He said, "You know what stopped me?" He said, "What stopped me was a young girl that we were, I was going to be doing her wedding and and she wanted to talk to me and my wife. She was struggling, struggling deeply with something. I didn't know what. And she had. we went to dinner and she began to tell us, my father killed himself at 15 years old and I've struggled with it ever since. And, and, and he said, it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. What am I saying? Some of, the, some of the greatest Christians battle wrong thinking. It's it's you know no it's not a mark of oh I'm not I'm not mature enough I'm not good enough I'm, no they they come they do come and these are some extreme examples absolutely they are but what makes Jim Elliot's struggles and our struggles similar is that they all spring from the same source they all spring from the carnal mind and when the carnal mind is allowed to germinate and grow it can take over and we will find ourselves living a defeated life based solely upon thoughts that aren't biblical. Now, when I came to this, you know, we're preaching through 2 Corinthians. I've been looking at chapter 10 for some, some time, and I look in these verses, and I'm thinking, how on earth? It seems like this is just dropped into chapter 10. It almost doesn't make sense that it's here, but it does, because the Holy Spirit always Knows what he's doing, amen? And uh, But if we take a careful look at the text tonight, uh, we're going to get a remedy from God for wrong thinking. We're going to have a remedy here. And I want you to notice here, first off in chapter 10, Paul's desire to have a happy visit to Corinth. And this is what's going on. Paul says, and we just read it here, he's bold in his letters, but he doesn't want to have to be bold when he comes and visits. Right. Listen, he's getting down to some things in First Corinthians and in the first letter and the second letter, uh, some real serious problems in the church of Corinth. And he's got to deal with them, but he wants to deal with them in a letter now. So when he comes, he doesn't have to deal with it in person and they can enjoy the fellowship that they want to have. He just wants to rejoice in these Christians and these saints that in this church that he has started. And he wants to have a happy visit. He doesn't want to have to have a, 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 a visit where he does a lot of correction. He's ready to, but he's like, he, he, look at this in verse 2. But I beseech you, I mean, he says, I'm begging you uh, that, uh, that I may not be bold when I'm present with you. Uh, with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think as if we walk according to the flesh. He's begging them. He says, I don't want to come this way. I want to take care of it right here. Right. There's some I need to be bold with. I want to do it right here. And Paul is showing us here, he's revealing here, that there are some that are saying that Paul and uh, those that, w- that are with Paul, he said, because Paul says us, 
They, they're claiming that they're just walking in the flesh. Do you see this here? Which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. There are some there that are saying that, oh, he's just carnal. Oh, he's just not spiritual. Hold on. Look down at verse 7, what he says. Is it possible that some were claiming that maybe Paul wasn't saved? Look at verse 7. Do, you, do ye look on things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, let him of himself think this again, that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. Kind of looks like there, some people have had some thoughts out there that maybe these, these men aren't in, in Christ, you know, uh, he, the way he came up and his background and all of these things. I don't know what, what's gone in here. Here's what I know, though. There are problems at the church, and Paul says we need to deal with them. Let me give you a couple of verses that may, might show some of the problems here. Turn back to 1 Corinthians, would you please? Just a few pages, really. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Look what Paul says here in verses 18 through 21. Now some, some are puffed up, verse 18, Now some are puffed up as though I would not come to you, but I will come to you shortly, if the Lord will, and will know not the speech of them which are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. What will ye? Shall I come unto you with a rod, or in love, and in the spirit of meekness. Turn back to our text, 2 Corinthians. Look over at the very end here, verse 13, or chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, he deals with it again. Look at verse 2. I told you before, and foretell you, and being absent now, I write to them which heretofore have sinned, and to all other that if I come again, I will not spare. Look at verse 10. Therefore, I write these things being absent, lest being present, I should use sharpness according to the power which the Lord hath given me to, to edification and not to destruction. God has given him the authority. He says he is an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He started this church. He has every authority to come in and kind of clean house and shear some, some, some sheep. But he really doesn't want to. He wants to deal with it before they get here. And so thinking this, having this in mind, it seems to me that the Holy Spirit is going to reveal where their problem lies. Here it is tucked into this chapter. They, look, look at this here in verse 3. He says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Watch. We don't walk. We don't war where we walk. Right? We don't. You see that? For where we. For though we walk in the flesh. We do not war after the flesh. Now I hope you can hang in here with me tonight. Because the, the, we're going to really dig into a lot of words and meanings here tonight. To show, to show this here. What's going on here. So if you're kind of. You know, geeky about words like I am. This will be exciting. If you're not, uh, just pray that God helps you here, okay? So we see here, look what he says here. Uh, For though we walk, that word walk just means daily life. 
It's how we live. You know, um, Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. That word walk is just a daily lifestyle. Another word like that is the word conversation. You'll find that in the Bible. That just means lifestyle. It's, it's a daily walk of life. He says, though we walk in the flesh. Now, what is he talking about when he says flesh? Well, he's just speaking of human nature. He's speaking of the earthly nature of man that is apart from divine influence. Just your natural life, your natural appetites, your natural desires, your natural reactions to events and to things that go on. He says, though we walk on a daily basis in our flesh, in our human nature, okay, we do not war after the flesh. We do not war the same way. We who have been born again of the Spirit of God, we still live every day in this earth suit, do we not? Sometimes we really get discouraged with it, don't we? And it has natural desires and appetites that reside in us. They have always been there. They've been there since we've been born. They will be there until the day we die. And we have these natural appetites. So it says this, we walk in the flesh on a daily basis, right? We just, we're just living, okay? But we don't war after the flesh. That word war is speaking of a military expedition as in leading soldiers to battle. So he's saying here, we do not lead a military campaign in the same way that we live on a day-to-day basis. It's a different way. Watch. The way we live every day is different than how we fight and war against this flesh. We don't battle the same way. Right? We walk one way in a daily life, but we battle a different way. See, we are in a battle, amen? We are. Paul told Timothy to fight the good fight of faith. If you could go over to Ephesians chapter 6, maybe I'm not going to go there tonight. We're kind of running out of time. But we know Ephesians 6, 10 through 18 and and the spiritual warfare that we live in on a day-to-day basis. We are in a battle every day in a spiritual battle. What are we battling? Well, we are battling, to, to narrow it down, we are battling the world. We battle the flesh. And we battle the devil. Amen. And notice this. We battle the flesh. Right. So what is he saying here? We don't fight the flesh the same way we live in the flesh. Right. So how do we fight? <laughs> right. How do we do this? The, there is a battle. We are fighting against our uh, fighting against our flesh, but we don't fight the same way. How do we fight? Look at verse four. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So notice here it is again, the weapons of our warfare. There it is, that military campaign again, that word warfare. So the weapons of this campaign, see we're in a campaign, right? Remember when, a, when, when something happens and a nation declares war, they start a campaign, which means what? They have a plan for what they're doing. They have an objective, what they're going to do, what they're going to achieve. They have an overall exit plan, or they should at some time, of when the campaign is done and how they're going to go home and get everybody off the field. In the same way, we have a campaign again in the, in the, in the uh, spiritual battle of our life. And it says here, the weapons of this warfare, the weapons that we use, 
They're not carnal. That word carnal is the same root word, has the same root word as the word flesh. Yeah. The weapons of our warfare, listen, they are not governed by the human nature. They're governed by the Spirit of God. We have spiritual weapons. You can't see them, right? They're swords and spears and tomahawk missiles, right? The Bible says when the, when, when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard. What is that? That's a battle flag. And God says, I'll go to fight for you, right? Well, you, you see, there, we don't see it, right? Remember, remember all those 185,000 Assyrians woke up dead that morning? Yeah, I woke up somewhere else. One angel of God, nobody saw it, but they got out the next morning. Bodies everywhere. Remember the two lepers? They're like, oh boy, this is great. <laughs> but we got to go tell somebody, right? This is wonderful. Yeah, no, listen, with the weapons of our warfare, the weapons of this military campaign that we are in are not, are not, are not weapons that we use in the flesh. Hey, they're not anger. They're not fear. They're not vindictiveness. They're not just pulling yourselves up by the bootstraps and mind over matter. No, they're not that at all. It's actually better than that because the, the flesh is carnal and it has no power. Look what it says here. But the weapons of our war- warfare are not carnal. Look at this. But mighty. You know what that word mighty means? It means they're able. (laughs) Always able. Watch. These weapons always win. They will always win. They are able. They are powerful. They are mighty. It's the same root word where we get the word dynamite. Acts 1.8. After you you shall receive power. Dunamis. That is that word dynamite. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you should be witnesses unto me into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. It is that word there, but mighty. Mighty. You can see this word over in Romans 9.22. And when Paul said, what if God, willing to show his wrath and to make his power, there it is, dynatos, to make his power dynamite known, endured with much long suffering, the vessels of wrath fitted to destruction. That same power that God has is the same power of these spiritual weapons because they're God's weapons. Let me tell you, ask you something. How powerful is God anyway? (laughs) All powerful. Our puny brains will never be able to understand and see the size and the power of God. I just saw in the news today, Russia is getting nuclear weapons ready. And they said that their nuclear weapons are like 12 times the power of our bombs used at Hiroshima and Nagasaki. It's pretty powerful. Do you know that doesn't show up on God's radar? (laughs) Yeah, it's nothing. Wait. This is the power of our weapons that are spiritual. Nothing, watch, nothing, nothing can, can, can get, can, um, can uh, conquer these weapons. 
because they're God's and it's His power. Our weapons are mighty. They're powerful. Look at this. Through God, verse 4, they're powerful through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now that word pulling down there is just talking about demolition. The pulling down of strongholds. What is a stronghold? Hmm? A lie. That, yes, a lie is a stronghold. But but specifically, you know, I'm going to get to that, thank you. Uh, Specifically, a stronghold is like a castle or a fortress. Wait, wait, wait. Or anything on which somebody relies upon. A stronghold, a massive fortress. That's a stronghold. Yeah. The walls of our house, the walls of your house, are actually a stronghold against weather. Now, sometimes they're only so adequate <laughs> until weather takes down the stronghold and pulls it down to where it's on the floor. Did you see tornadoes, I guess, went yesterday through Louisiana, went through a little town north Louisiana and Cato Parish and just wiped out a house or two and killed a, a 30-year-old woman and I think the child as well. Yeah, those, those walls were a stronghold, but they weren't strong enough to withhold the, 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 the power of the tornado. God's weapons are more powerful than anything. To the pulling down of strongholds. So watch this. We have, so what this means is we have strongholds in our life that need to be demolished. This is the inference here. We have things in our life that we have built up, that we have built up just living in this life and living in this world and living in this flesh. We have strongholds that we have built up that need to be torn down. Look at verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. That word casting down means to destroy or to refute or to disassemble. Do you know you can disassemble thoughts? You have a thought come in your mind and you've done this. Well, that is, that's not true. And you inject truth into the thought and what do you start doing? Disassembling the thought. You begin to refute it, destroy it. He says, casting down imaginations. What are imaginations? Just reasonings, just things in the, in the spiritual realm, those things that are hostile to the Word of God. Those are imaginations. And it goes on beyond this. And every high thing. Now that's an interesting word there because that means a barrier, a rampart, or a bulwark. You see what... It, What's going on here? The weapons of our warfare are are, are able to destroy and to refute reasonings and, and, and thoughts and reasonings hostile to the word of God that have built up a bulwark, a rampart, a barrier in our mind. Why are they? What, what happens with those barriers? What, what begins to happen? Well, the word of God, truth, let me say that truth begins to stay out here because we've put a barrier up of, of things that are lies that, can't, that, that it won't get through. And you're saying, wait a minute, I, th- I, thought the, I, I, I thought the weapons of God are mighty. How are they not getting through? Well, truth isn't getting through, but we'll show you here in a minute how you re- disassemble those bulwarks. Yeah. They're fortresses we build in our mind. 
Look what he goes on to say. Every high thing that exalteth itself, meaning lifted up with pride, against the knowledge of God. What's that? That's the word of God. Bringing into captivity every thought. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought. Do you notice all of the military imagery here? We have bulwarks. We have ramparts. We have barriers. We have fortresses. We, we, have, we, we have destruction. We have demolition. We have uh, uh, weapons, mighty weapons. It's all a military illustration. Why? Because it is a battle. It is a day-to-day battle to battle the thoughts of our minds, to live in a biblical way, and let me say this at the end of it, to live in a, a life of victory according to what God says. So many of us can live in a defeated times, in depressed times, in, 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 in uh, 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 times that we just feel like, why are we here and why is God even use, using us or attempting to use us? We live this way because we have not dealt properly, militarily, with false thoughts into our mind, unbiblical thinking. Yeah. It's military imagery. Look what he says here. You bring it to what? Into the obedience of Christ. You notice here the word obedience? It's submission. Watch this. It's not yielding. It's submission. To yield, to yield means you voluntarily say, yes, Lord. Right? Submission is, I mean, I'm, I'm against the wall. I can't go anywhere. So I say, okay, fine. I'm done. That's submission. No, in the Christian life, we ought to be, have a life that yields to God. He shouldn't always have to push us into the wall to make us submit. But when it comes to our thoughts that exalt themselves against the knowledge of Christ, they need to submit. Yeah. Listen, our carnal thoughts, they're never going to yield to God anyway. <laughs> Are you serious? They need to be dragged off and killed. So we fight this battle of the mind by taking our thoughts, by taking our calculations, by taking our imaginations and seeing if they agree with the Word of God. And if they don't, we cast them down and we make them submit. Want me to illustrate it for you? Who do you want me to illustrate this with? Martin? Martin. Sure. No. I got garage don't, don't go anywhere. Don't go. It's not time to leave. Trust me. I'm going to build a wall. We've got a wall. We've got pride. And we've got lust upside down. It's all messed up. I'm building a bulwark here. We have insecurities. Look at big wall, big fortress in our mind. It's a lot heavier than that, but there it is. Pride. Insecurities. I can't. I won't. I'm not good enough. I, I, right? Lust. Lust isn't just sexual. Lust can be is, is just the di- desire for anything that God said no. 
lust. And look what it does. It builds a big wall. So what does God say we do? The weapons of our warfare, they're not, they're not carnal, but they're spiritual to the pulling down of strongholds. What is the weapon? Taking every thought into captivity, right? Casting them down. Verse 5, let's read it. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Say, well, I, I, I can't do this. God can't use me. I'm not good enough for that. I'm not good enough for this. Insecurities. And we realize the Bible says, well, Paul said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. The wall's gotten smaller. Lust. Yeah. Lust. Just fill in the blank. Yeah. Let's just... Lust. We take whatever that lust is. Well, I've got to have this. I've got to go here. I've got to have this. I've got to have that. I've got to have this. And Paul says, you know, be content with such things as you have. Now, sometimes there's things that they come into our mind. We think, I've got to have this. I've got to have this thing. I've got to do this. And, and God says, do you really? Yeah. Why don't you just be content? Godliness with contentment is great gain. And you take this, whatever your lust is, what Jesus said, He said, but I say unto you, instead of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery, but I say unto you, any man looketh upon a woman to lust after, hath committed adultery already in her heart, in his heart. <laughs> lust. Whatever it is, what do you do? You line it up with the, whatever the thought that comes in your mind, you line it up with the Word of God, and you say, no, you got to go. Oh, wall comes down. What are you doing? You're tearing, watch, you're, you're tearing down, you're casting down imaginations and you're tearing down bulwarks and strongholds that's in your mind. Hold on a minute. What have you done in your human flesh really to do this? Nothing. You didn't have to get angry. You didn't have to get irritated. You didn't have to do this mind over matter thing. You didn't have to do some psychological thing. All you had to do is take that thought and go, now, how does that line up with what God says? And you know what you do? When you realize it doesn't line up, you say, that's wrong, and that has to go. And then you know what you do? Stop thinking about it. <laughs> I can't stop. Well, really, we can Yes, we can. Pride. Well, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to pass that out. I'm not going to give that guy a tract. <laughs> what will he think? See all the patches on his biker jacket? He's probably killed 50 people. He's got tattooed tears coming down. As he's killed people. Right. Perfect love casteth out fear. For fear hath torment. Bring these things in our mind, and you know you've done. You just you just knocked over pride. Maybe that's a daily thing. <laughs> yeah, I deserve. I should have. You know, I deserve this. I deserve that. You deserve it. I don't. You hate one of my wife's most 
hated phrases, I deserve. No, we deserve hell. Yeah. Amen. We absolutely do. Pulling down strongholds. Yeah. We make them submit. So why is Paul here? Why does the Holy Spirit put this right here? <laughs> Obviously the Corinthian church was having trouble with their thoughts. Yeah. Paul's the Holy Spirit of God saying, here's what you do with them. Make sure they line up with the Word of God. Which, you know what that means. You need to know what the Word of God says. Amen? (laughs) Yeah. Now look at verse 6. I'm going to end here. We'll be done. And having a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Having a readiness, this is still within the line of what to do. I've read some people who said this, speaking of church discipline, I kind of have trouble with that. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever that they'd be here at the end of this, uh, of this sentence of what to do with the thoughts and the mind. Having a readiness to revenge all disobedience. It's a mindset. It's a mindset. Uh, that word readiness there means to take revenge upon. How do you take revenge on disobedient thoughts? That's what we, we ought to be ready to do. I mean, like, okay, you're done, buddy. <laughs> I'm tired of you, right? Let me give you five things to do. When you've come to the realization that there are thoughts that have built up bulwarks in your mind and fortresses. Number one, Just get alone with God and tell Him what you're thinking. You ever done this one? Well, you know, Lord, I'm just really bitter right now. (laughs) He already knows. Just tell Him. He knows. Who are you fooling, right? Well, you know, I don't talk to God like that. Well, you ought to. You are in your heart already. Yeah. Get, tell him what you're thinking. Right? Number two, ask him to expose the real root causes of your thoughts. I think we just dealt with this even last Sunday night. David said, search me, O God, and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. Search me. Ask God to show you the real root causes of your thoughts. Maybe he'll reveal that it's pride or it's lust or it's fear or it's envy. Whatever it is, say, God, show me. Where is this coming from? Number three, regardless of how the thoughts get there, confess your responsibility for them. What's your responsibility? I remember trying to help someone, oh, about four or five years ago, and they would just constantly say, I'm just, I, I'm just worthless, I'm just this, I'm just that, I'm just, and, you know, we'd try to help and say, no, this isn't right because the Bible says this, and, you know, all of your past is gone, and, and they would just go back over and over to how worthless and, and, and just uh, horrible they are, and I fi- it finally dawned on me 
No, now they're just enabling themselves to stay in bad behavior. They, they, that, that, that over self-deprecating, I'm terrible, I'm this, I'm that. You know, I, and we all get there once in a while when we see the reality of who our flesh is. And there's, there, there's something maybe a little bit healthy about that. But this went beyond that. And, I, and it just came to this realization that, no, this is just how they justify staying in bad behavior and not making the changes they need to make. Sometimes you need to confess your responsibility in the issue. Number four, give over to God those root reasons that he reveals to you. (laughs) What what, what do you mean? Agree with them. When they come to you, go, yeah, you're right. You're right. Number five, give me a second here. Number four was give... Give over to God the root causes that He reveals to you. Agree with Him on them. Number five, immerse yourself in the Word of God. Fill your mind with truth. It's hard to fight against something if you don't have something to fight with. You know what our weapon is? (laughs) It's the Word of God. Absolutely. Absolutely. You want victory in your mind? You want victory over your thoughts? That's possible. Absolutely. And and, and when we go to it, like God says, those thoughts cannot stand up against the power of God. They can't do it. They have to go. They have to go. And they will. They will. You'll notice that. You may have to do it over and over again. It may be a week of it. It may be a month of it. I'm telling you. Because I tell you, Satan comes back. The flesh comes back. Fears come back. Uh, triggers go off that, you've, that you're so used to and you just have to go back and say, no, that's, that is a lie. Here's the, here's the only issue that you're going to have if you, if you really can't get there is that you don't trust this. If, listen, if you don't trust the Word of God, if you don't believe what this is saying about you and about God and about everything else, you're in trouble. It's like having a weapon and no ammo in it. It's like, that, is a, that M4 is awesome. Yeah, it's empty though. <laughs> I guess you can beat somebody with it, but that won't last long. Get alone with God. Tell Him what you're thinking. Ask Him to expose the root causes of your thoughts. Confess your responsibility. Give over to God the root causes. Agree with Him. Agree with Him on Him. And then immerse yourself in the Word of God. Can I tell you tonight, the greatest Christians have struggled. And God has given us a remedy. It's a battle. It's got to be fought. But it can be, and it can be won, because it is fought totally different than how we live our day-to-day life. This is where where defeat comes when we try to attack it like we do everything else in life. And it won't win that way. We've got to do it His way. Yeah. Have you created a pattern in your life of lining up your thoughts with the Word of God? If not, would you start that tonight? 
Figure out a way to create a pattern when thoughts come into your mind that you know are wrong. They're depressing. They're discouraging. Listen, God doesn't depress us. He doesn't discourage us. He doesn't work like that. He doesn't make us fear. He doesn't have nerves and all this stuff. All That's not of God. It's not of God. And you need to create a pattern of going to the Word of God and tearing down that stronghold, those strongholds in your mind, and noticing you'll get the victory over those. And I'm telling you, it is liberating. It absolutely is. Our Father, thank you tonight for your Word. How practical, how practical tonight. We all, we all, we're all there. We all struggle. The things in our mind, the things that we allow to stay there, our past uh, sins, our mistakes, our, our just some of the dumb things that we've done or said or some of the insecurities that we've grown up with, some of the words that people have said to us uh, that have affected us for the rest of our life, some of our fears and uh, just pride and lust and all of these things, how they can build up a wall of a fortress in our mind and and just totally steal our victory and our joy in our life. God, I thank you tonight. I thank you that we have a battle plan. It's a military campaign. And Lord, if we just if we just take every thought and line it up with the word of God and just reject and chuck out those thoughts, take them into the captivity of Jesus Christ, make them agree. And if they don't agree, get them out. Lord, thank you for that tonight. How simple. Would you help us to do that? Help us to create a pattern of that in our life, of taking those thoughts and making sure they're biblical. Lord, we thank you for what you'll do with that, that we live in victory. And uh, Father, that uh, uh, Lord, you could, be, you could use us in a greater way than we've ever been used before. So Father, we pray you do that work tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand tonight and invitations open and instrumental play. However the Lord spoke to you tonight. How many would say tonight, you'd raise your hand and say, you know what, tomorrow, tomorrow morning I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start investigating this and figuring out a pattern to make in my own life that I can combat some thoughts that maybe, maybe they've been nagging you. They've been there. You've, they've been allowed to be there for, for decades. Decades. How many, how, how many would get, a, get alone and just, just say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find a pattern. I'm going to ask God to make me aware. Yeah. Might be tonight that you need to get alone with God tonight and tell Him what you're thinking. Yeah. I would not be surprised at all if there were many tonight that had just one, one reoccurring theme of thought in their life that's built up a, a, a just a fortress in their mind that is unbiblical and that is that is keeping them from keeping you from victory I wouldn't doubt it a bit listen tonight all you got to do is line it up to the word of God and tell it it's a lie and tell it to get out
right. Amen. Let's be dismissed in a word of prayer tonight. Brother Chuck, peace. Would you close us in prayer tonight?